Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. We did spend a bunch of time yesterday on Deion Sanders' big debut. In Colorado, going from arguably the worst program in the Power Five last year to the top 25 in one single game. It happened. And it's pretty freaking impressive, at least to me, at least to anybody with any objective ob- objectivity. Perform? Well, bah, 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 well, bah. It happens to the best of us. It happens to us all. At least to anybody with any objectivity. Thanks, Albie. If you're not here to hate, you pretty much have to acknowledge that, right? Because to a bunch of you, calling that incredibly impressive feat impressive was somehow controversial. Let me repeat that. Calling that incredibly impressive feat impressive somehow, some way was controversial to a lot of you. Because some of you absolutely hate the Coach Prime show. Hate all the hype. Hate his Louis V. Luggage rap. Hate the way he basked in his glory this weekend. Hate the way he said, I told you so. Now, the flip side of that, some of you brought that same intensity and you went the other way. You went all in. You bought your car flags. You're all ride or die with Coach Prime and the buffs. I actually love it, honestly, either way, because pretty much everybody had a strong reaction one way or another. Either way, every way to that win over TCU. Hell, even TCU is still reacting. And I'm talking about TCU itself, or at least one of their guys. I'm talking about Horn Frogs linebacker Johnny Hodges. Johnny Hodges was talking yesterday. He played in that game. He's one of the leaders of that team. He took up for his D coordinator yesterday. I guess you can say it's a wake-up call. Uh... I don't know how losing in the national championship by 60 isn't a wake-up call, but uh, right now we're, we're definitely the laughing stock of college football, having 22 missed tackles, um, having who knows how many missed assignments, making our defensive coordinator look awful, just making his defense look like it's a childhood kid's defense and him getting all this slack. So uh, if it's not a wake-up call, then I don't know what it is. So. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's number one. That's a pretty amazing soundbite. That is a pretty amazing soundbite. You don't generally hear college players say stuff like that. You don't generally hear any player call his own team, quote, the laughing stock of anything. So that's exactly why I like that. That was unusual. That's why I'm not like these social media lava slingers getting all up in their feels about how offensive it is to Colorado, how insulting it is to Colorado, to talk about how humiliating it was to lose to Colorado. Guess what? It was humiliating. TCU was playing for a natty just nine months ago. Guess what? It was humiliating. And they just lost at home, after playing for a natty only nine months ago, they lost at home as a three-touchdown favorite to what, once again, might have been the worst program in the Power Five last year. So it is embarrassing. Now, to be clear, I don't think that TCU is a laughing stock, nor the laughing stock of college football right now, but I do get 
that they were completely embarrassed. But I don't think that's some major insult to Colorado either. That wasn't the dude's point. So those of you who just discovered this bandwagon like 10 minutes ago and are now ready to let the hands go at the slightest sign of disrespect can just settle the hell down. That dude, Johnny Hodges, was just assuming accountability, just taking some accountability, and he was having his coaches back. He's saying it's not exactly like coach didn't tell us this is exactly how this was going to go. He admitted they didn't play well. They messed up on the field Saturday, which they did. This dude is a transfer from the Naval Academy. And he's saying, how the hell did we get curb stomped in the natty on the big stage by 60 and then turn around and let Colorado play out some kind of movie scene in our house? Somebody should take accountability and responsibility for that. That should be the reaction TCU fan would want out of a team leader. But let me say this. Again, there is no shame in getting beaten by a better squad. Even if half of you won't give them any credit for it. Colorado was the better team in that game. Which is why they won that game. Which is also why Colorado is now ranked in both polls. And TCU is not ranked in either poll. I'm just glad that somebody was accountable. I'm glad this dude was accountable. But you know what? I'm going to tell you where accountability really rests. I'm going to tell you who should really be accountable for that loss. Do you know who's accountable for that loss? Shador. His brother, Shiloh. Travis Hunter. Dylan Edwards. Xavier Weaver. Jimmy Horn Jr. And oh yeah, Coach Prime. So before any of you get any more red-assed all over again, I am hyping this team. But this time, listen to what I'm trying to say about this team. This time, listen to me. They had an amazing opening week. One of the most incredible things I have ever seen in college football, honestly. And they deserve credit for that, period. So I'm going to once again give them credit for that, period. They'll get more credit if they continue winning. That's the deal. Nobody's crowning these dudes. Nobody's trying to tell you they're about to run the table here. They still have to go to Oregon. They still have to travel to Utah. They still have to deal with Caleb Williams in USC. Believe me, they have got a brutal schedule. And it's going to be a long haul of a season. I know this. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. But I know what already did actually happen. I don't know what's going to happen going forward, but I know what actually did already happen. Something incredible. And I've got no problem saying it. Because unlike a lot of you, I am objective. Unlike a lot of you, I'm not here to hate. And I've got to say, that was the single greatest college coaching debut I've ever seen. No matter how you feel about the guy. Right now, Colorado is the best show. Not just in college football, but in all of sports. Right now. Let me give you an example. A number of prominent sports books say that they're taking more action on Colorado's next game than almost every single game in week one of the NFL this weekend. Now think about that for a minute. A team that went 1-11 in college last year is taking more action this week than virtually every other game in week one of the NFL season. Week one 
of the NFL season. That's insane. So, who do they have next? Who do the Buffs play next? What game is taking all this action? Freaking Nebraska. Freaking perfect. And while the Buffs are enjoying all the hype, the one thing I will say about them, they're not getting lost in all the sauce. In fact, I think it's the opposite. They're trying everything they can to maintain their edge and stay up for this game. Like Dion's saying, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You earned it. But don't forget why you're getting all this run. Don't forget what got us here already. Check out Dion saying that the Nebraska game is totally personal. Everywhere you go, coach, from high school on up or from youth league on up, you're going to have rivalries. And just learning the dynamics of the different rivalries are – I like it. It's delightful. So I've learned the – the severity, the serious nature of this rivalry, and I'm embracing it 100%. This is personal. That's the message of the week. This is personal. Actually, I think the message of the week is that it's delightful. You go, you it's go delightful. Around. So I've learned. You the, go around. You check out rivalries in all sports. It, it's, how do you call it? It's, it's, it's delightful. It, it, I like it. It's delightful. So It's charming. It's quaint. It's delicious. It's delightful. It's scrumptious. That made me laugh. It's delightful. No, but you know what's even better than it being delightful? It's, quote, personal. Personal. Personal to Dion. Personal to this totally overhauled roster. Do any of these young players even know that there's an existing rivalry between Colorado and Nebraska? This is personal. Personal. Personal for these dudes who got there like six hours ago? Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Make sure to use the code 50Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Suddenly, they're all personally invested in the Nebraska rivalry. Sounds absurd, right? But it's actually delightful. It's actually classic Coach Prime. And by the way, there was a rivalry between these two schools. And they hated each other's guts. It was one of the all-time rivalries. Colorado and Nebraska back in the day went at it, yo. 
They hated each other's guts. So Prime is just tapping into that. His main strength is his ability to motivate and sell and get his players and his people to buy in. That's what's making this guy elite right now and that charisma. He had to find something this week, so why not embrace the hate? Especially since, well, they're getting a lot of hate still, but they're getting a lot of love. Why not lean into a once-heated rivalry and make it heated once again? That's smart. I'm here for it. I'm all for it. I love it. Not only that, like I said, one of his main strengths is buy-in, getting a buy-in. Of course, his son is going to buy-in, but Shador said, hey, listen, Pop's right. We don't like Nebraska. We just know the history of it. Colorado, we don't like Nebraska. So that's just what it is. We just got to focus on that. Okay, cool. We don't like Nebraska, but that's not going to – that's not really going to change, like, the preparation or anything like that because we prepare like nobody likes this because we know we're going to get everybody's best game. So it's just another thing on top of, like, a little bit more motivation, just a little bit, but we got to already be motivated. I'm getting a kick out of this whole thing. Like, Shador, first of all, the guy's incredible. I, I still can't get over that first game. I still can't get over watching what he did against TCU. But I love Shador saying, hey, hey man, we don't like Nebraska, all right? We just don't. A guy from Jackson State a year ago. <laughs> but Prime said, hey, listen, just so you all know, there is history here. We don't like them. It's personal. We don't like Nebraska is great. But, quote, we prepare like nobody likes us because we know we're going to get everybody's best game is even better. A team that was 1-11 last year knows that they're going to get everybody's best game. And that is something else. So for all you haters who think that team is so cocky and so arrogant and so classless, you know, the star quarterback and the coach's son sounds pretty much the opposite of all those things to me. I like what I see from him. I like the way he plays. I like the way he carries himself. I like what I hear. Makes me wonder about the other side. In Nebraska fan, does this not bring you back? Does this not bring you back to a great day, Nebraska, when you used to be dominant? When you used to hate Colorado, and Colorado used to hate you. Man, the good old days. Husker fan, right? So if Prime knows that there was a rivalry, and Prime thinks it's personal, and Prime's players don't like Nebraska, I really wonder what Nebraska's side of this is. I really wonder what their head coach is saying. I know what Coach Prime is saying. What about Coach Matt? What's Coach Matt Rule saying? Is he on the other side telling his guys, oh yeah? Well, we hate Colorado even more. Because he should be. And I wonder if the game is personal to Matt Rule as it is to Prime. Because it should be too. This is personal. It should be. You know what? It's the ultimate save face opportunity. It's a great opportunity for Matt Rule. It's a great opportunity to save face after that same old Huskers debut. So if Rule wants the energy around his program to flip, if he wants the energy to blow right through the roof, just beat Prime. Just beat the Buffs. Just beat these supposedly overrated, overhyped, overblown Buffaloes. And then almost everybody will love Matt Rule in Lincoln as much as they love Coach Prime in Boulder. 
Now, on the flip side, losing this game would be a bad thing for Matt Rule. Like, I love the hire. I do. I love that hire. However, he's the one who is supposed to be the ultimate program flipper. That's why they brought him in. He's the one who is supposed to be the guy to author the big turnaround. Honestly, Dion moved in on his act. And if Dion beats Rule this week, he will have basically swiped Rule's act right from underneath him. And before you tell me say and say, hey, Rome, why don't you give the guy some time? Dion didn't need any time. Prime didn't need any time at all. He got there like seven months ago and has already got them in the top 25. I love this game. Love this game. Massive game. Great jungle game. It's Coach Prime's Boulder debut. Man, that game is so big. I fully expect more texts from Rogan Loam. That's how big I expect this game to be. I expect my kid to actually text me. You know, he suddenly discovered my digits. And he not only texts me, he texts me like in this fired up mode. Fired up texts that'll probably read something like this. Hey, Pop. I know you're all about that corn life. I know you're all about Nebraska. I know that Nebraska's always had your back, Jimmo's. I know that. I get that. Know this, Pop. I don't give a damn about that because I'm a buff. I'm a buff now. And being a buff means hating Nebraska. Coach Prime and his fam said so. Yo, Pop. Pass this along to Dodger Jano. I will never eat corn ever again. I will never wear red ever again. Feel me, Pop? You know, hold up now, son. Don't interrupt me, Pop. And yes, football was the very last thing on my mind when I applied to become a buff. But now it's the very first thing. It jumped ass right over pickleball for me. It's personal for me, and it has been for a long-ass time, like 10 minutes. Feel me, Pop? This is personal. It's deeply personal. So I got a message for you, Pop. The message of the week for you, for Dr. Jano, for all of Husker Nation. It's personal, and I hate Nebraska. Love, rogues. Blow you up Saturday during the game. Look for my text. Peace. I'm out. College football fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code ROME. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just 5 bucks on college football. That's code ROME only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be present in state where lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit to apply. Of course, I'm speaking of Sean Alexander, who joins me via Zoom. Sean, my man, how you living? What's good, dude? 
My brother, how you doing, man? <laughs> I am great, John. How about you? How are things? Man, it's good. I, I, not everybody knows, but Valerie and I, uh, we just had our 13th child uh, uh, last month. And so it's it's sleepless in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> it is crazy. My God, I was going to start right there. I actually was going to start right there. I know you and Valerie did have your 13th child. So how are mom and baby doing? And right now, what is the range of your kids' ages? Uh, so um, it's it's ten girls and three boys. Uh, our oldest is a, a sophomore in college; she's nineteen, and then you know the baby's about a month and some change now. So it's wild, man. Like like no other. Like everybody else, like oh, two, three, four. I couldn't handle. I'm like oh, you know, tough enough. But, but I've got way more empathy <laughs> for people now because I just at least understand what they mean. But it's like I feel like I'm overwhelmed, you know. So. So, um, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's tough. I, I feel like it's like having a good football team. You got to have some of the captains, some of the players that just kind of help run the team. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of how we're running it, man. Like I, I'm thankful that our oldest three were girls because uh, they can hold it down a little bit better. That's super. That's great. Sean Alexander is joining us. You know, Sean, you and I have known each other a long, long time. You've always had this trademark positivity, this energy. I don't think you've lost any of this. I want to talk to you about the Seahawks for a minute. How do you explain to me how Pete Carroll, for instance, has maintained his level of energy and drive at age 71? I mean, it's one thing for you to have it in your mid-40s. How does this dude maintain that intense intensity and motivation after doing it for as long as he has at that age? I mean, isn't he amazing? I mean, you think when he was at New England, he fell right in between Parcells and Belichick, and people kind of like, did he do anything? And he was good there, but go to USC, does everything to bring that that college university back up to where it is, and then we get the steal of the, of the century by getting him to come to Seattle, and he's just high energy. The coaches, are the kids love him, the players love him. I mean, he's just he's just amazing. And he he keeps it going. He he wakes up with a day to go conquer. And that's what the great ones do. And he looks at it every day as I'm going to go dominate this day. And it, it's pretty exciting to watch. I like that theory. Sean Alexander joining us. You know, when you and I spoke in October, you said at that time you really believed in the team after it got off to a strong start. So how much better do you expect the Hawks to be this season after they made that surprising run to the playoffs last season? Yeah, you know, when when we gave the keys to Russell and Marshawn and the Legion of Boom and they took it off to her, they, there was a couple of things that you knew about that team, which was a Pete Carroll thing. The defense had chips on their shoulder. No one they never felt like they were getting the recognition they deserved. The quarterback took care of the football and they had running backs that wanted to run. Marshawn was special. We hope Kenneth can do can do the same thing. Um, but the receivers were always the same way. Chips on their shoulders, playing a little bit better than what everybody imagines. And we have two, three phenomenal wide receivers now. Um, I, I think this team could put together a nice little run. And, and you know how football works. Once the team starts to believe, it becomes really, really hard to beat them. Uh, so um, it's it's going to be a fun year. Hopefully they take on challenges and stay healthy. And if they get out there like they did last year, um, it's going to be great to watch them at the end. Sean Alexander joining us. We're going to talk some college ball in just a minute. You mentioned Kenneth. I wanted to ask you about Kenneth Walker. Now, watching him last year as a rookie, man, I loved him. I absolutely love what I saw from him. He was un- unable to play in the preseason due to a core injury. What do you like most about his game? And can you see him ultimately developing into an elite back in this league? 
Yeah, you, the, being healthy has to be a part of it. And so he's got to go figure that out. And, you know, I always explain to people, you got to be good at being you. He gets into the holes and he explodes through it. He sets up blocks really, really well. And uh, this offense is going to allow him to do those things. So he has to stay healthy and continue to take that thing that he got five yards on, turn those into six yards, those things he used to get two yards on, turning at two and a half yards. And he's already been really good at making bad plays seem to like just normal plays. And so if he takes that to another level, man, he's 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 going to be one of those elite guys. I mean, his, his numbers say he's close. And uh, I think that if he takes the next step and, you know, he, he'll get two or 300 more yards and two or three more touchdowns. And now he's in that 10 touchdown, 1200 plus a year kind of guy. And those that's elite numbers. Hey, Sean, you know this as well as anybody. Again, if you're a running back, the better you play now, the worse it probably is for you. At least it seems that way. Would you want to play running back in today's game? <laughs> I think that's what I was just good at, you know? Um, so I, I would, I think business wise, unless until the league does something different, their guys would have to sit out earlier and that's going to be rough because it creates this, well, you know, old school is pay your, do your contract and pay, you know? And I tell people, I remember playing in the pro bowl, making $400,000 where I, some of the other guys were making five and 6 million. And so when they gave me my big contract that, you know, $60 million deal, I was already 29 years old. <laughs> so, so it was one of those, Oh, um, it was more like a thank you, Sean, for, you know, like we said, all, all these, uh, all these trophies and wins, you know, to get us to where we are more than we were doing a new deal. And we, we want you to earn this, um, earn this eight, six million dollars a year that you're going to get. Um, I think that the only way that you can do it now is either NFLPA and the NFL league has to do a deal with running backs where they can create great escalators, great bonuses for guys that, that hit the, they, they break the rookie records, they break team records and things like that. So then it can be balanced out because literally if you play great, you need carries. And if you get too many carries, now you're expendable. And so you're, you're kind of caught in the 2020. And so I think that if they come up with a great way to make giving the players bonuses for doing well, then everybody's going to be happy where you could like, Maybe you get a six million or eight million dollar deal a year, but you can make eight to ten million in bonuses for for breaking records. I think that now makes it comfortable for everybody um, to go forward. Um, otherwise, players are going to just hold out. You know, twelve million is the only. You know, that's kind of what what you know. You saw Josh Jacobs, um, uh, Barkley, um, and uh, uh, who was it? Uh, there was the other running back, oh, Dalvin Cook. You know, how do you? Yeah, how do you get guys with that much talent that were that important to their team? They were focal points of their offense, and now now they're expendable. That it makes no sense. So there has to be something that changes for for the league for the running backs. Sean Alexander, my guest. So Sean, you're still connected to the college game with the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award. It's presented to the most outstanding freshman in the nation, honoring the impact that you made as an Alabama freshman when you rushed for a school record 291 yards and four TDs against LSU in 1996. What's the criteria for the award, and who are some of the names on this year's watch list? Oh man, it's it's really exciting. So you know, about six years ago, Mike Griffith, uh, who's a great beat writer for Georgia, he was a beat writer in the '90s for Alabama, and uh, he called me up after I retired and said, "Hey, you know, we got to put you involved with college football somehow. Man, would you help me pick the college freshman uh, All American team?" 
And so I did that with the Football Writers Association. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And and the next year, he was like, man, we should name the freshman player of the year uh, after somebody. And so I was just thinking, just like picking players, we we're going to think of some great legends that they would name out. We go, Sean, no, we've all decided it's you. You know, you're still relevant. You're the college cover for EA Sports and Madden. And uh, man, MVP, show, like, let's make it you. And I, I was so honored. And then we went to work. And so five years ago, Trevor Lawrence won it. Then Kenneth Gainswell won it the next year. And so we're really proud for the, how their career started. Will Anderson won it the third one. Brock Bowers, he's the tight end at Georgia now. And then last year was Drake May. We've got five great players, and they all fit what we really want. Just talent that just jumps off the screen. Um, character, I always tell, I tell them all when they win the award. Now, look, I'm too young for you to go be a goober, so don't mess my name up. <laughs> you know, so so we always say like, hey, talent's number one, but you you can't be the guy that's just screwing everybody's name up, you know. And then the next two is an ambassador to the university. The school has to like you. And and then the last one we say legend, we, and that's what the NFL calls a retired player. We we got to see NFL talent. And so our five pre-winners have been amazing. Uh, we we love the guys that we've picked. And uh, and this year it looks like it's just off to a great start. Some great players all the way around. You know, we do this thing called the Hot Thirty Seven. And it's the 37 uh, watch list, the guys. Now, the winner doesn't have to be on that list, but but it's been really cool watching these guys go from high school. Some of the guys were redshirted and then watching them get ready to start this year. Um, and then we'll, we'll go down to 14 in, uh, in, um, in November, and then we'll pick the five finalists in December, and then we'll pick the winner right around Christmas. And then they'll be able to play their bowl game known as the Prince of College Football, the Sean Alexander Freshman Player of the Year. The Sean Alexander Freshman Player of the Year Award. I love it, and I love any reason that gives me and you a chance to get caught up. My guy, you sound great. You look great. I love that award, Sean. Great to have you back on. Thank you very much. And I know you and I will connect again soon. We will, man. Bless you, man. It's good. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of... Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Yo, V, what's up, kid? Romy still skin my brother. You know, I was going to call in and talk about how my Lakers had a huge signing of Christian Wood or how Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell's offense is going to destroy the NFC or, hell, even the diarrhea plane and how the turbulence destroyed that flight. But, no, I have to take time to address this loser, John and Philly, for one final time. And I need to apologize to Chuck. Because now I know this idiot John is going to blow up the phone lines for the next nine months trying to get to the smack off and telling Chuck, okay, this is going to be the best one. I won't mess up this time, Chuck. This will be my best one. I promise it will be good. You know, the same stuff he says in the bedroom. 
But John and Philly, you want me to stand up and look you in the eye, even though that's impossible because I'm too busy stepping over your dumb ass after I already put your, my foot in your dumb ass. So you know right now John is driving around, pissed off that I'm on the air with his family. You know, they're like, Daddy, Daddy, what's wrong? I go to the bathroom. Not now, damn it. What's wrong, Daddy? Is that kid from Menifee bullying you again? I need to tell V how I've been married for 30 years and how I'm a business owner. Look, John, being an Uber driver and selling Herbalife products at your garage isn't owning a business. The only person suffering in your marriage is your wife, who's been trying to deal with your bum ass for 30 years. Damn, we can't even deal with you for 30 seconds, you rat. And can we all stop bashing John Harbaugh's Wii Fence take? A Wii Fence is an undergarment that women wear when John and Philly is around. Full-on prevent Wii Fence when that creep is around. And that idiot had me turning into Noah Noah Lyles when he said that him and I are a rivalry. Rivalry of what? They only know you because of me. I'm Kobe, you're Raja Bell. I'm Shaq, you're Vladi. Hell, I'm Javier's, you're Taco Bell. I'm Sean Alexander, you're a condom. Because you can't F with me, you moron. Bench players talking like they're starters. Even though you're not even on the bench, you're in the G League. This is the majors, losers. You're still in the minors with Wander Franco, bitch. <laughs> Nine months again to smack off. It took me 90 seconds to bury your dumb ass. Now enjoy punching the air, John, while Rome racks me. Be in the feet. Out. Oh, yeah. Rack him. Rack him. I'm Sean Alexander, and you're a condom? <laughs> Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. John in Tampa. Good to have you, John. What's up? Romy, how's it going? It's good. I, uh, I've been out of the jungle for a couple of years now. Just stopped listening for no reason, but I am back and it's great to be swinging. I'm here to talk about Deion Sanders, but more importantly, USF football. He was reportedly on campus, uh, and we let him walk out the door. So to see him killing it in Colorado with two of our receivers, Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn, it hurts, man. It hurts a lot. It hurts a lot. I know USF football gets about as much run as Utah hockey, but war Dwight Van Gundy and war the DECA, yeah, I'm out. My man. Appreciate it, John. He is Jeff Perlman. Jeff, what's going on, my guy? How you feeling? Uh, Jim, you left out the most important thing. Episode 5 actor playing himself. <laughs> my bad. Dude, episode 5 of playing yourself. So how did that go for you? Were you in character? I played a reporter. I'm a reporter in the press conference. It aired uh, a few days ago. It can be streamed now. I was... I played a reporter who asked three questions of John C. Riley playing Jerry Buss. I, um, I showed up really excited, and nine hours later and 104 <laughs> shots of the same scene later, with my head itching from the, from the wig glue that wound up giving me a head infection where I had to go to urgent care the next day, uh, I survived. But I don't want to be an actor. Hope that was worth it. Was it? Yeah, it was not. It was not. No, it was horrible. <laughs> 
but it's still cool to have. Cool to have. Jeff Roman joining us. You know, all right, so you're not an actor. We found this out. I want to be very clear also about something else. While the book that you wrote inspired that TV series, you have not written any of the episodes, right? So five episodes into season two, one of which you acted in, what do you make of the overall product? What do you think of the show? I mean, selfishly and not selfishly, I love the show. I, to me, the last few episodes, especially the emergence of Larry Bird, um, the a rise of Pat Riley, the fall of Paul Westhead. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's one of the best shows on TV. I really do. And I also think, I mean, you and I are probably the same way. I can't watch crappy sports on TV where the, the depictions are lousy and the actors don't look like athletes. And I just feel like the attention to detail is kind of unrivaled. I really do. No, I agree with this, Jeff. I've always said this about sports movies. They generally do not work because the actors are not athletic enough and the athletes don't act well enough. This is why it's so challenging. You know, if we were to actually go back, talk to me about this for a minute. You spent years, years working on Showtime. You interviewed over 350 people for the book. You poured over any and all research you could find about the 80s Lakers. The book was a bestseller. It was a critical and commercial success. But as I'm sure you come to find out, TV is a different beast altogether. Why did it take eight years to turn that book into an actual show? And what were those eight years like for you? So they were actually eight years of kind of bliss, ignorant bliss, because I never thought it would happen. Um, A screenwriter named Jim Hecht, who's an awesome guy and a great friend of mine now, but came to my house in 2014 when I still lived in New York. And his one acting, his one real big credit was Ice Age 2. And I'm like to my wife, oh, yeah, the guy who did Ice Age 2 is coming to our house to, well, because he wants to option the Laker books. And I gave him the rights, but I never thought anything would happen. And every now and then he would check in and he would tell me, oh, no, it's something. And I was like, okay. And I never, ever thought it would happen. And then a couple of years ago, Adam McKay wants to meet with us. And he says, Adam McKay wants to meet with us. And I, I thought, I don't know who that is. And I Google Adam McKay, and I see he's done all these shows and movies. And I still don't believe anything's going to happen. But then I start seeing, uh, reading like Hollywood Reporter online. You know, uh, Adrian Brody, Adam McKay, uh, excuse me, Adrian Brody, John C. Riley, Gabby Hoffman. And the big one was Sally Field. And you see these people cast in a show based on your book, and suddenly you start believing. And before you know it, you're on set in L.A. on a show based on your book. And it's the craziest thing ever. Jeff Perlman is joining us right now. So what's interesting, Jeff, you're starting to live this life. That That's the great thing about that, right? That's what's blissful, and that's what's amazing, and that's what's surreal. But then you're in it. Like, you recently wrote a post on social media encouraging fans of the series to support the show as much as possible to increase the possibility of it being renewed for a third season, writing, quote, the future of winning time hangs in the balance, end of quote, what led you, listen, if anything else, dude, not even if anything else, I mean, you've always been extremely candid and transparent and fearless, but what led you to post that the way you did? What were you thinking? All right, there are a couple of things. Number one, and, you know, I, I, I do try to be honest. Like, I just kept getting people who said, I don't see it on the app. I don't see it on the app. I don't see it on the app, the HBO Max app. Like, I don't see it. Where is it? So I felt like I needed, needed to tell people, look, the show is here. Number two we're in the middle of a writer's strike and an actor's strike. And the whole strength of promoting these days is a John C. Riley or an Adrian Brody can go on their Instagram feeds and tell their gazillions of followers there's a show going on. And no one can do that now except kind of for me and a couple of other writers. And 
That is not the same. And the reality is these shows are renewed based on numbers. And the numbers, what has happened actually over the past few weeks, I'm not giving me any credit, is the numbers have skyrocketed. And it just has taken off. And this show all of a sudden is once again enormously popular. So I hope HBO sees that and wants to give it another season because, I mean, I don't think this is giving anything away. This show goes from 1980 to 1984. In 1984, the Boston Celtics win the NBA championship. The idea of ending a series on the Los Angeles Lakers of the 80s with the Celtics winning the title is, it's like I'm working on a Tupac book now. It'd be like ending the book with an ode to Biggie. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So I love the show, and I just want it to go on. I want these young actors to keep having a run at this. Jeff Roman joining us. Jeff, I've been there. I've been there. I've done this. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be on premium cable. I know what it's like to have a show that you're proud of. I know what it's like to have that show go away. What's this process been like for you? Is it gut-wrenching? Oh, it is. And it's not probably the reason you think. Like, I just write books. You know, like, I'm just a guy who I truly got really lucky with the show. But I just write books. And whether the show succeeds or not, I will be writing more books. You know, that's my career. But there's so many young actors and writers involved in this show. And to be honest, one thing I love about this show is, as you've seen in Hollywood, there's a, there's a long history, an ugly history, of taking young black characters and making them drug dealers, making them pimps, making them homeless, making them idiots, the whole blindside thing. And this show truly is a celebration of young, empowered black men and women and I love it. Like, I love everything about it. And I feel like it's a true life story because so many actors employed and actresses employed are young minority actors who are getting their first shot acting alongside giants like Sally Field and John T. Riley. And for me, it's very personal. And I just don't want that to end. Jeff Perlman joining us. You know, Jeff, I shared a personal anecdote with you in season one. I've got two sons, and one went to Wisconsin. He was at Wisconsin at the time, Jake. And we just dropped off our younger son, Logan, at Boulder. Jake hit me up, and he, unbeknownst to him, Jeff, that you and I are friends, he's telling me that he's watching the show, and he's not a big sports fan at all, but he's in love with the show. He absolutely loves the show, and he was in the media department, the mass communications department. I think that said a lot about the show. I I don't know anybody, frankly, who doesn't like the show, so why do you think, if you had to guess and get inside the minds of some corporate media heads, why do you think the show's in any jeopardy of being renewed in the first place? I think the biggest issue is it's an extremely expensive show. Like, it just costs a lot of money. Filming that show costs a lot. If you look, just as an example, the day I shot my one scene, and that entire scene probably lasts a minute and a half, and it took nine hours. It's also an expensive cast. The basketball is extremely expensive to shoot. So, understandably, by HBO, you do want to have a return in your investment. And I also think, I think you have to get past um, something just being a quote-unquote sports show. You know, like my mom watches a show. She doesn't know anything about anything in sports. She wouldn't recognize Magic Johnson if he knocked on her door. But she likes the show because she started watching the show because of me. And I think the hurdle you sometimes have to get past with a sports show is letting people know, no, no, no. Remember, the Titans isn't just a sports movie. It's a movie movie. And Winning Time isn't just a basketball show. It's a TV show. And I do think that's a hurdle. We're talking to Jeff Perlman. Jeff, you and I have talked about this, but for those who have not heard this part of the conversation, I think the only person who's not in love with the show is the angry logo. It's been well documented that Jerry West has been critical of the show. Last year, he demanded a retraction and an apology from HBO for what he called a, quote, baseless and malicious assault, end of quote, on his character, stemming from the series, portraying him to have a volatile temper. Again, 
one of the things I respect and admire about you is you're accountable, and I could give examples of this. I'm not just saying this. I mean this, and if we have time, I'll even get into this, but do you personally have any issues or any regrets or any concerns about the way Jerry West has been depicted on the show? All right, I'm not just saying this. Zero. And the reason I have zero is because one of my favorite books of all time, certainly sports books of all time, is Jerry West's autobiography, West by West, which is a great, great book that I highly recommend everyone read. And in his book, he presents a portrait of himself that is the portrait depicted in the series. Now, are things dialed up a little bit because it's, you know, based on a true story, blah, blah, blah? Sure, a little bit. But, like, he cited uh, at some point along the way snapping a golf club. He would never snap a golf club or whatever. And he literally wrote about doing that in his book. And I love Jerry West. I think Jerry West is one of the geniuses of basketball. I think he's a gentleman. I think he's great. But he and Billy Bean are the two sports figures I've covered in administrative roles who literally cannot watch their own teams play because it's just too intense and it's just too fraught. So I just don't – I think Jason Clark as Jerry West is, is in many ways the star of the show, and I think it's a love letter to Jerry West. I really do. We're talking to Jeff Perlman. I think it's a love letter to Jerry West or something. Listen, when I say that you're accountable and you're honest, I noticed one of the books at the top that I did not reference, and this is by intention. I did not include Gunslinger, the book that you wrote about Brett Favre, after allegations surfaced last year of his involvement in a scheme to divert Mississippi welfare funds to build a volleyball facility. You took a really unusual step for any author by encouraging people not to buy or even read a book anymore, a book that you put a lot of time into. Why did you feel the need to take such an extreme position? Because I just think he's such garbage. And um, when I read about, I just don't get it. This is the thing I'd never get, Jim. Like, you're Brett Favre. You spend your life in the most diverse universe possible, professional sports. You have plenty of teammates who have gone through welfare, who were raised in the projects, who have struggled and struggled to get where they are, who have fought to get where they are. The idea that you would then defund welfare recipients in the poor state in America, a state with an incredibly high population of uh, poor blacks on welfare, that you would go out of your way to defund that. And not just defund it. Defund it so your daughter has a volleyball court built for her at the university when you yourself could afford to do that. I just was so disgusted and horrified that my reaction, my gut reaction was, I'm just going to go and I'm going to say it. Like, don't read about this guy. There are a million good books to write, to read about legitimately decent people and even complicated jerks. But I don't think he's complicated. I think he's just kind of a jerk and, and an idiot. And I just thought, eh, just move on. Time to, time to read different stuff. Good for you. So what did the publisher have to say when you said that? Publisher supported me, actually. It's funny. I got a call. Uh, from my editor, HarperCollins, and um, he was like, saw your tweet. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, good for you. And hmm. I thought, that is that's that is sorely lacking in corporate America. And I love that. Now, that is great. Jeff Perlman joining us. So before you go, you mentioned Tupac. So you're going to write a biography of Tupac, which shows that you are a rangy mother believer. You're all over it, Jeff. Unquestionably, this is one of the most fascinating figures in music history, what intrigued you the most about Tupac, and how are you approaching this particular project? Well, I'm literally calling you from a parking lot in New York, because five minutes ago, I interviewed the woman who gave Tupac his name, and it's never been written about before. So I'm like, I'm basically 
call, 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 make the next call, make the next call, dig in, dig in. And I think the thing what happens a lot with figures like Tupac, like James Dean, like Marilyn Monroe, is a few things are said, and then they're just regurgitated over and over again. And people lazily cite the same things over and over again. And I just thought with Tupac, I'm going in as a complete outsider. I'm a sports writer from upstate New York. I'm not a hip-hop guy. I love hip-hop. I'm just going to go in and call everyone. And that's been it. And it's been one of the most exciting, difficult, frustrating, fascinating uh, experiences of my career. I mean, we could spend hours on that. One line, one quick follow, and I'll let you go. Since mm-hmm. his murder in a drive-by shooting in 1996 in Las Vegas is still unsolved, several books have already been written focusing solely on the events of his death. Have you decided how to handle that part of it in your book? Well, the thing is, ultimately, I think there's agreement that Orlando Anderson uh, was a trigger man. And Orlando Anderson is a kid who... Uh, who was beaten up by Tupac in the, in the lobby of the casino shortly after the Tyson Bruce Selden fight. So there's not that much mystery about who shot him. It's more about sort of the backdrops, what led him to shoot him, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been reaching out to Orlando Anderson's relatives. I've been reaching out to different gang members. Again, it's like the weirdest journey. This is a big, Jim, this is a huge stretch for me from interviewing retired baseball player as he plays golf. Like this is different world stuff, but I've just been diving in hard. Why, Jeff? Because of the particular story or you felt the need at this point in your life to make that major stretch? Because I think life is short, and I think I've always been fascinated by Tupac. And to be honest with you, for years and years, I was waiting for someone to write this definitive, grand Tupac biography the same way, I don't know, Jonathan I wrote about MLK recently. And I just kept waiting, and I kind of got tired of waiting. And I thought, why can't a sports writer from New York a white sports writer who's mainly covered sports, but has covered black figures for years and years. Why can't he give it a go? And if he does it honestly, and he's upfront about what he lacks in knowledge and what he has in knowledge, why can't I try it? So I'm just, that's why I'm doing it. Preach. Hell yes. Jeff Perlman joining us. Jeff. All right. So once again, if listeners have not seen it or they have forgotten, where do they find the remaining episodes of season two for winning time? And if they want to make sure that show gets renewed, what's the best way for them to do so? I mean, it's on HBO, it's on HBO Max, new episodes there Sunday. There are two more episodes left, new episodes, the seventh season, second season. Um, and honest to God, I'm not just saying this, it's all about numbers. So it's all about people watching the show, telling your friends to watch the show. That is honestly, at this point, if people want to send me money, they can. But ultimately, what it comes down to is we need people to watch the show. Jeff Perlman joining us. Jeff, an amazing job as always. I appreciate you. Great job. Nice to have you on the show. Have a great day. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Good night now!